Welcome to the Ignition Point. This is Clayton Bradley Academy's podcast, looking at how we inspire students to think critically, problem solve, collaborate, and use the lifelong guidelines and life skills. I am sitting here with uh, one of our teachers, Arielle Kennedy, and she is a math teacher at our high school level. And I brought her in just to talk about relationships at the high school because it's so unique. So first off, welcome, Arielle. Thanks for having me. In previous podcasts on relationships, I discussed how really when we're looking at, at high school students, we're looking at how they interact with each other and learning how to interact as an adult. Um, we've talked about it lower school level, you know, it's learning how to interact with their teacher and, and the relationship is a lot of our relationship discussions deal with how students interact with, with teachers. As they enter middle school, it kind of transitions more to how students interact with students and those peer relationships become huge. Um, and that carries over into the high school, but I think one of the things that we look at doing in those relationships is helping kids learn how to be an adult, then. Um, even though they're not an adult yet, but how to be an adult. So um, let's start off just by talking about, like, as a high school math teacher or just a high school teacher, what are some things you do to help students build relationships either with each other, with you as their teacher, with their community, just kind of that whole general how are relationships addressed through your classroom? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, one thing that I think is true for all students, whether it's pre-K through 12th grade, is that students want to be liked. Your preschool kids want their teacher to love them. High school students want the same thing. Maybe not the love aspect, but they want to know that their teachers like them. They don't want to go into a classroom and feel like their teacher hates them. And that high school teenage stage they either think people like them or hate them. So as an adult, as these high schoolers are trying to be adults, they want to be adults, um, it's really important to make sure that they know that you don't hate them, that you actually do like them. Um, what's great about high school is that these students are starting to want to be adults. They're starting to act like adults. Um, they, in a sense, try to emulate you. They do what you do. And so as a high school teacher, as all of our teachers at the high school, we try um, really hard to make sure we're emulating the type of adult we want our students to be. Um, and that absolutely starts in the classroom. Um, it starts with every Monday and Tuesday, because we have different classes on Monday and Tuesday, I ask how their weekend went. Right? I want to know what they're doing on the weekends. Sometimes maybe it's things that I wouldn't have done when I was a teenager. <laughs> um, and sometimes it's things that I'm like, whoa, I want to go do that this weekend. Um, I mean, and so that's part of our class. And then on Thursdays and Fridays, I say, hey, what are you doing this weekend? Like, what are some fun things that are happening around Maryville and Knoxville? It gives me ideas for what I wanna do this weekend. Um, they share ideas with each other. A lot of times then, they start to make plans for the weekend and so with each other. And so that really kind of helps that peer-to-peer -peer relationship as well as the teacher-to-peer relationship. Um, some may say that that takes away from curriculum at CBA. I mean, yeah, I may take five. There have been times we've had a 20-minute discussion about the latest Marvel movie in the theater. But the students love that. I love that. I like to have that relationship with the students. So, I mean, it maybe takes a little bit away from that math curriculum. Their math class is obviously their favorite class at the high school. Um, but I like to say that there are two parts to curriculum at CBA. There's the academics, obviously, but then there's also that culture piece. And the core to that culture piece is going to be those relationships. And then I also can't get my students to learn math without having a relationship with them first anyways. You know, one of the things that I 
heard you say there, obviously that desire to be liked. And I think that comes across differently at the high school than maybe the way it comes across in the lower school. And it sounds like you're hitting on those points of talking about, you know, what movies are they liking? What sports are they playing? What activities are they involved in outside of school? Because so much of what our high schoolers do is outside of what they do in their classroom. Um, and I think that what they do in their classroom is probably in their mind even pretty small uh, as far as their identity goes. And I think that that's great. Um, how do you build curriculum? You talked about curriculum. Obviously, math curriculum is what you do and math teaching is what you do. But um, how are you building curriculum in ways that would also continue to foster that relationship piece, that collaboration piece of what, what are, I guess the question might be, what are you putting into the curriculum that really helps build relationships in a unique way? I'd say there are two parts to that. The first part is that students don't like surprises, ever. They like consistency. Um, so I make, sh I make sure that I'm intentional in planning my instruction for that day. And when I say I'm intentional, uh, first off, there's always an agenda on the board. There are always clear and concise expectations in my class, what they should be doing, the procedures they're gonna be. Um, standards are always typed up for them to see at all times. Standards that they understand. And all of those first create that non-threatening environment we want in all of our classrooms. And with that environment, then if there's a non-threatening environment, those students are more willing to learn. They're more willing to build those relationships. They're more willing to talk with peers that maybe they don't get along with today. Um, and so once that piece is set, once the foundation is set, then it comes to the actual curriculum building. And the big part of that, I like to say, is choice. Um, in math, there is one correct answer, but there are a lot of ways to get there. <laughs> if I'm going to teach quadratics, I'm going to let my basketball players model the path of a, free, of a free throw. My engineers, though, are going to decide if the arch in St. Louis is actually a parabola or not. So they're going to have that type of choice to look at math in different ways. Um, along with that choice is intentional choice on my part. When we do these uh, project-based learning activities, when we do these games, I'm going to pair them with students that maybe A, they don't work so well with, or maybe ones they really do work well with. But I'm going to intentionally put them together in these groups and these partners so that they're collaborating with all of their classmates. So that one of my students who is really good at explaining the math on paper, and then one of my students who is really good at presenting can work together. So maybe that presenter will kind of help that uh, my introvert open up a little bit. And then that introvert, um, can help that one who loves to talk figure out how do I write my math a little bit better on my paper. So um, that step of those clear expectations in class, the choices of what they want to do, and then those intentional collaboration skills. You know, one of the things that we talk about as Clayton Bradley Academy is this idea of absence of threat. And that's what I was hearing you talk about there of when kids are coming in, when we're talking about relationships, that's a threatening um, experience, if, if, especially if you're trying to figure out whether these people even like you or not, um, or maybe you know they don't like you. You know, maybe there's been some kind of altercation that's taken place. You know that you've got you know some kind of conflict happening in the classroom, and then you walk into the classroom and you're going, okay, what are we doing today? You know, am I even going to have to work with these people today? Whatever may be the case, and and you know things like agendas on the board. We talk about that. Of it helps to reduce their stress a little bit. They see what's going on, 
and then give that opportunity to work through that. And I know I mentioned conflict a little bit there, and I know, you know, obviously conflict happens at the high school level, um, and that can hurt relationships, but working through that conflict can also build relationships. What are some ways that you work to resolve conflict when it does arise in the, the math classroom, whether it's math related or not? What are some things that you do? Because if you don't help them work through that conflict, that can destroy relationship. Absolutely. And especially at the high school teenage level, they take these conflicts and these peer problems to heart. It's not a we're bad one day and great the next. Um, and so I think there's a lot of things that we do at the high school for that. Um, one great thing, first off, about our campus is that we can go outside whenever we want. And so um, we go for walks a lot because sometimes our teenagers just need a deep breath. They need some fresh air. Um, and so to help with those conflicts a lot, sometimes it'll maybe just me and those two couple of students and we'll go for a walk and we'll talk about how beautiful the day is and what we're doing that weekend. Um, and then obviously once we're then work towards whatever that conflict is. And so what's so great about us being such a small community is that I can have those one-on-one -on -one relationships with each student. And so I can take my time out of class to say, hey, let's talk about this together. Um, sometimes we'll even have a whole class discussion about, okay, so here's what happened. How as a class can we move forward? How as a class can we better our community? What should we have done differently? So what life skill or what lifelong guideline? By the time these students get to high school, these life skills and lifelong guidelines are embedded in them. They know what they sh like, which life skill or lifelong guideline they broke for a better term. They know what they should have done in, in other words. And so sometimes just sitting down together to discuss it, um, they have those communication skills uh, and they want to talk about it. They want to say, hey, I messed up. Here's how I'm going to better the community of this classroom. You know, we talk about lifelong guidelines and life skills. And one of the ways that we do that, I think through conflict too, is looking at restorative practice um, and looking at how these life skills are real. You know, I think that's a transition that we do here really well of in preschool, lower elementary school, and even into some of the upper elementary, we're teaching kind of what these words mean. You know, when we talk about effort, when we talk about pride, when we talk about friendship, of helping get good definitions there. Um, and then you get into middle school and, and, and it becomes a, how do you apply this definition of effort? How do you apply a true definition of friendship? Um, and that's what I hear you talking about even at the high school level of that real world application to say these are real words. These are not just um, things that are on our wall or they're not just the stuff that's going to be maybe on a rubric that I get scored on for a project, but this is real life. Um, and that's, that's a really cool experience that, that kids get to learn how these actually play out. What are some other ways that you might use lifelong guidelines and life skills in, in building relationships in your classroom? The big thing with these high schoolers, like I mentioned before, is that they want to be adults. They're not there yet, but they want to be there. And so we take that very seriously in that we embed them in some of our, uh, our classes, uh, not just our academic classes, but we have our classes like Leap and Capstone. And so uh, we take these life skills and lifelong guidelines, we pull them out of the classroom, and we're trying to teach them, we're trying to show them really, how do you use these in a professional setting? 
How are you going to be the best you in your post-secondary journey, whatever that may be? So how do you talk professionally? How do you um, interact with professionals outside of this? How do you write a respectful or responsible email? Um, so it's no longer how do you put forth the best effort or how are you a caring person? Now it's how are you going to um, put forth and create your best effort in this email or this resume that you're going to be creating? Why is caring about your workmates important in a working environment? And so taking these not just how do you be a better person, but how do you be a constructive person in a professional setting for the future? You know, as you really look at these skills that we call lifelong guidelines and life skills, a lot of people refer to them as soft skills. It's what you talked about of how do you present yourself, how do you um, interact with others, how do you talk, how do you uh, show these characteristics that we know employers want. But they're kind of mislabeled. They're called soft skills, but they're really hard. Um, you know, and, and it, it's really important because we even talk about with our high schoolers, these are the things that get you fired a lot of times. You know, if you can't figure out how to get along with the people that you work with, that creates enough conflict that eventually somebody probably loses their job over it, as opposed to maybe a lack of, of a content knowledge that a company is already knowing that they're going to have to train you on. Um, so I think that's a really cool component of what we do and, and hearing how you guys put it into the curriculum um, and understanding that that's why it's so important, like we put grades to it. You know, and we get that question, like how are you putting a grade to whether my kid showed effort or whether my kid was um, creative or they had a sense of humor? But it's like these skills are so important to us that we're willing to try to write assignments in a way that you can grade them and you can see whether there was any effort put in by the kid. It's one of the things as a teacher, you learn when kids are putting effort in, uh, probably better uh, than maybe uh, others would see, but uh, you guys do a great job with that. Um, I really appreciate you coming in and, and talking about your classroom and about your curriculum, about relationships with your students. We know that it really matters to you. And I'm going to end with a question that, that you gave me as a, uh, as a, this could be a cool way to end the podcast, is uh, what would you be doing if you were not teaching? Well, I gave you that question as an option, but I didn't actually think of an answer. Um, <laughs> I think so. As a kid, I really wanted to be a park ranger. Um, and so I, I want to say that's what I would be doing. But truthfully, I, um, I majored in math because I love numbers. I wound up teaching because I love high schoolers and I love interacting with students. So I think if I wasn't teaching, um, in college I got a great opportunity to work with Nimbus, the National Institute for Mathematical Biological Synthesis, mouthful there, um, working with uh, modeling the transmission of salmonella in a grower, grower's farm for swine. Um, figuring out like the best setup for that and I loved it it was like a, it was like a puzzle like what would be the best setup but not have the salmonella transition to all the pigs in the farm um, so I don't know something with mathematical biological synthesis you know those the crazy number things Wow uh, that's exciting uh, I think whenever I, I think back to the stuff we've discussed I could see you doing so many so much of that stuff it, it's funny um, I love that you were talking about recognizing students desire to be liked I love that you were talking about um, creating that absence of threat because you know the kids are coming in with that desire to be liked and the more that we can do as instructors to reduce that stress that they're already feeling in their life as a high school student and helping them through the conflicts and the relationships that they are going to have every day, 
so important. And it's something that as adults, we're still trying to learn, right? We still have that desire to be liked and we still have to figure out how to interact with these other people every day in our job. And so thank you so much for coming in. This is the Ignition Point, um, where every day at Clayton Bradley Academy, we work to help students learn how to problem solve, how to critically think, how to collaborate, and how to use lifelong guidelines and life skills in a real way. We hope that you have enjoyed this and that you have a wonderful day.